0: Well good morning, good morning, good morning to each one of you. Good morning. Uh, welcome. Uh, I just want to say that it is uh, we are so excited for this morning uh, So glad to be here with you. There are two churches getting together and it is at this point in the service where our our kids, our elementary age kids and in, in, are invited to their classrooms uh, downstairs. Their teachers are here in the um, in the foyer, excited to meet them and lead them down to their uh, class. And so, uh, and then also parents, if you have not yet checked your child in or signed in for your child, uh, now would be the time that you would want to do that. Um, But again, welcome. Very happy to be here with you. My name is Wayne Griswold, and I'm the pastor here at East Park. And I just want to say to the folks uh, uh, at Spring Valley, I just want to thank you, thank you, Thank you for being here with us this morning. We're just so grateful to have you with us this morning. And I want to say um, we know that, that uh, we're just delighted to be able to host you, and we know that this was a total disruption to your morning routine <laughs> and to your typical Sunday schedule. And so thank you for being willing to be disrupted and uh, to throw things a little bit out of what you typically do. We're, we're, we're just delighted to be here uh, with you. I think I, oh, thank you, Bill. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about me. So uh, Bill and I haven't talked about how much we're going to go into, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. <laughs> Grew up in Folsom, raised in Folsom, went to Folsom High School, graduated, go Bulldogs. Uh, came to the Lord in Folsom as a junior in high school. Uh, married my wife at a church in Folsom, uh, and then when we were married, we moved to Roseville. Uh, we were in Roseville for about 20 years, and then a few years back, um, as our family outgrew our home, we moved to Lincoln, which is where we are now. We're out in Lincoln, and we uh, enjoy it very much. We appreciate uh, the community there and us becoming part of the community, uh, and so um, my wife, here's a little, here's a picture of our family. My wife, Sally, and I, she's right here. Uh, you can raise your hand. Uh, Steve, you raised your hand. Yeah, I Steve, know. come on. I,
1: I, so There's no confusion. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: But we are, um, Sally and I, we've been uh, married 24 years. Next May, we will, ex- we will celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. And, uh, and we have, thank you. Wow, it's still so many so many months away and I appreciate the enthusiasm. Uh, We have five children and so uh, Abby is 17 and she's a senior in high school. Olivia is 14. She is a freshman in high school. Uh, Phoebe on the end here is uh, 10 and she's in the fifth grade. Elias, our boy, is seven. He's in the second grade and our youngest, Sophia, she's three years old. And um, and she is full of the sweetest sweet and the spiciest spice. <laughs> uh, you can imagine, you can even see a little bit of that uh, in that picture. I want to also say that my parents are here, uh, Wayne and Yancey Griswold, and they attend church here, and, um, and we're just so delighted. Sally and I are both so thankful to, um, to be able to worship the Lord with our parents and for our, our children to see their grandparents walking with Jesus. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing for us that we don't take for granted. Um, Sally and I began attending church here at East Parkway about 20 years ago. Uh, I joined staff here about 18 years ago, beginning a student ministry uh, from junior high or middle school to, to senior high, high school, to college, and then about nine years ago, uh, Uh, We were called to be the pastor to serve as the pastor of the church, and we're just delighted to be able to serve in that way. So that's a little bit about me, and I'll, uh, Bill, I'll let you take over.
1: Fantastic. Well, uh, my name is Bill. If I don't know you, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about Wayne now. No, no, (laughs) okay. (laughs) So, um, you know, actually, to be honest, I'm a little intimidated to preach with Wayne because you you may not know this, because I think about Wayne and your previous pastor, Billy Steen, are two of the most thoughtful people that I've ever known as far as the way they present themselves. You may not even be aware of this, East Parkway. Most of us pastors tend to just speak for a bit until the thought comes around, you know, like it's just the way we're wired. And, um, you know, we get together monthly as lead pastors, and it's really a, it's, it's kind of a known thing. Like, you know, a question will be posed. Uh, Phil Stevenson, who is, who is our district superintendent over here, uh, he, uh, he leads those times, and he asks very thought-provoking questions, and most of us will just start to share, you know, and work our way around to a point, point. Um, and at some point, Wayne will kind of clear his throat and seat forward, <laughs> and, and the man just has the most thoughtful things, and usually when he's done, our response is, yeah, that. You know, that, that's kind of where we were trying to go. So if at any point this morning you see me stop short and say, yeah, that. That's where I'm at, all right? Just so you know. Um, I, what I love about today, what I love about being here is that um, I came to Christ as a uh, freshman in high school at Arcade Wesleyan Church, which is now Faith Legacy Church. And what I love about that is that Faith Legacy, or Arcade West Lane, happens to be the planting church of who we are, Spring Valley Church, as well as the planting church of who you are, East Parkway. And I remember in high school hearing this name of your then pastor that was the planting pastor, Billy Steen, and never really knowing, you know, but just that there was always this name. And, then, and as we, uh, you know, as we grew from there, and I grew in Christ in such a huge way, went off to college. Met my wife uh, at, at college down at Azusa Pacific University, and and uh, um, yet her dad was my counselor in high school, so there was that, that connection, and anyway, this is our family, um, and uh, uh, Lori and I, and we are on the outsides of our, our two, our daughter who was playing the piano here, Becca, and, uh, and then our son, who we just dropped off last Friday, uh, a week ago Friday, uh, to Colorado Christian University in Denver, and so um, if you see us suddenly get emotional, uh, some of you know where, the, where we're at, you know, we're still working through that, but uh, um, but we are just blessed. We've been blessed by uh, just the journey and and certainly coming to Christ at Arcade at that time. One of the assistant pastors was uh, Phil Stevenson, and not long after I left for college and and, uh, had a chance to start going through seminary and and pastoring a small church down there, I heard of this pastor from up here who was planting churches aggressively and and giving away finances and people to be a part of that and I remember telling my wife I want to be on staff with Phil Stevenson one day and and uh fast forward to uh 2001 uh, received a phone call and a chance to come be youth pastor for Phil and uh so I came up in 2001 and our stories are incredibly similar we however celebrate our 25th anniversary in December so mm. we are sooner so all right that's thank you wow. that's a big one yeah thank you um, so uh, uh, so excited about that, but and it's just so much of that journey. We came in 2001 to do youth ministry, in 2003 had the chance to become the lead pastor and have been at, uh, at Spring Valley ever since then, and it's just been a blessed journey. And so I love, our, our churches have so many similar stories, we have a lot of similar story, except for the amount of kids, but outside of that, it's all, all, all the same, and um, when we started talking about and dreaming about this idea of what we were going to do this morning, I loved, first of all, the fact that we both have been journeying in the book of Acts. And so we thought, what a great opportunity to kind of come back around to that um, and, and, and really dive into that, dive into what that means. And for, for uh, so many, for both of our churches, we've been on this journey of discovering and, and falling in love with the, book, with the church in the book of Acts, this first century church that was trying to figure out how to live this stuff out how to carry out this, how to, how to really be the scent where they were at and to go out and carry the message of Christ, carry the Great Commission into their world. And, and in all of that, um, you know, we learned some things that uh, right off the bat in the book of Acts, Acts 2.44, all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything. Acts 4.32, all the believers were united in heart and mind. And that idea that the church got its foundation by making sure first and foremost it was united and it was coming together and it understood that whole, that, that, how important that was. So a day like today where we get to be two separate congregations that come together and enjoy the uniqueness of this weekend and by being together, this is a great carrying out of what we've been taking a peek at and looking in, uh, in Acts. And so, so we looked at that, that aspect. We have both talked about that That it really, if there is a theme in the book of Acts, it is that we are the sent, right? And as we started to talk about how we present that and talk about that, well, we thought, what a great opportunity. One of us can talk about the sent aspect, and one of us can talk about the we aspect. And so uh, I was more than happy to take the we aspect and and, uh, dive into that. So we're going to dive right in and talk about what it means when we say we are the sent. What are we talking about? Who is the we that we are referring to. And so uh, just to dive right in, I would love to say on the outset that we understand that we, um, when we talk about we are the sent, that we are individuals. So, uh, and I know that might be counterintuitive, but I think it's important to understand that uh, there's this, yes, there's this collective we, but the we that it was referring to and that we are sent, that's us as individuals. That's us as one-on-one. There's a couple verses that aren't going to be up here that really are kind of foundational in this understanding. The first is first timothy chapter 2 verse 3 and 4 where it says this pleases our god who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth they wants everyone to be saved and then john 3 16 i know it's very familiar but it's very familiar because it's very true and very important he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him should have eternal life and i don't i'm not trying to sound cute when i remind us of the fact that everyone means everyone and, and, and that is so important to remember, because when we talk about the fact that we are the sent, our tendency, at least my tendency, if you're wired like me, your tendency might as well be to think, okay, I get it. I get that collectively when we talk about the we, um, you know, that God loves everyone corporately. I get that, that, that God, uh, you know, forgives everyone. You know, we talk about people corporately. I even believe that God has a, a plan for us corporately. But then we fall into the lie of thinking, but surely he, he knows me enough. Surely he doesn't love me like he loves so-and-so. Surely he, he, he doesn't forgive me for the stuff that I've got in my past. And, and, and absolutely, he doesn't really have a specific plan for me to do something. And we believe that in our mind. We don't say it out but we start to believe this thing. And so we've got to launch with this truth That when we say everyone, we mean everyone. And the passage that I want to take a peek at, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. We take a passage like that as well as others, and we've got to embrace the fact that he does have a very specific... When he says, when we are the sent, me specifically, you specifically are sent. And and we have to embrace to start with that that means us as an individual. And so if we believe that, that we are the sent, what would you do with that, Wayne?
0: Well, one of the things that I... uh that I just think it's very important that we understand and that um, that when, when God does a saving work in our lives, when God does a saving work in your life, the Bible says that what Bill is saying here, the Bible says is that at that point you become part of the we and you are every bit as much of the we as anyone else. And so this, this concept of... Um, uh, tiered rankings of who is more we than the rest of us just really doesn't exist biblically. We all play a part uh, in this we as individuals. Uh, yeah, I want to say, though, before we before I move on to, to my next point is I want to say that uh, when Bill said, you know, when we were talking about who's going to do the we and who's going to do the scent, um, and we both, we both kind of admitted and confessed a little bit that our, our, our two congregations are probably uh, a little tired of hearing us harp on the scent all the time. And so Bill, being the kind-hearted, big-hearted, all uh, super considerate man he is, he just swooped in and took the we right. and left me <laughs> with the scent, well, we've been in it and for more so, weeks yeah. than you, so, so there were so more kinda, There really wasn't a whole lot of discussion in that. It was like, <laughs> hey, what if we took, here, this was me, this was like, what if, we, what if we did it this way? What if we did like, one of us does we, one of us does sent, and he says, great, I got we. <laughs> That's right. <And laughs> I had so, a big brother. I know uh, how to so do was, that. Uh, you got to claim it was, fast. It was kind of like that. And so, But all kidding aside, you know, I am thrilled to be able to talk a little bit again about this idea of being sent. Uh, about mission and what it means to be, uh, to participate in, in what God is doing in the world here. Um, because we see that all over the book of Acts, right? I mean, you cannot read through the book of Acts without seeing this reality of being the sent on every single page. And so what I want to do uh, is say that the, you know, the first truth that I want to offer in terms of building off this concept of we as individuals is is this, that that we are sent to share in the ministry of Jesus. We're sent to share in the ministry of Jesus. If you look at the very first verse in the book of Acts, you'll read a statement that really sets in motion everything that follows. Uh, Luke is writing to a man named Theophilus. Luke's the author of the book of Acts, and he's writing to a man named Theophilus, and he says there in the very first first verse, he says, "In my first book," and we know that to be the Gospel of Luke. In my first book, Theophilus, uh, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach, and I want you to see that word "began." I really want to zero in on that word "began." Uh, because Luke has been telling this man about Jesus, and now he says that everything I've told you already, everything in the Gospel of Luke, all of that is, is only the beginning. And everything I'm about to tell you in the book of Acts is merely the continuation of what Jesus... Has already started. And so, this idea of we are are sent to share in the ministry of Jesus means, church, it's his ministry fundamentally, not ours. And this, should, this is such great news because this should relieve every uh, burden that mm. may be placed upon you that would somehow make you think that it's, that it's somehow up to you to change the world for Christ. I mean, have you ever, have you ever felt like this? <laughs> when it comes to... Just being overwhelmed by the magnitude of the mission. This idea of how, on, how in the world am I supposed to take part in this? Or this. This sense of, I am worried. I'm stressed. I'm pulling my hair out because I'm not doing enough. Or this. This this sense that it's all up to you, right? Everything's up to you. Now, granted, we play a role, we do, by God's design. But it's important for us to understand that Jesus is already ministering in the world, Mm. church. He's already doing that. He's already ministering in people's lives around the world, Already he's working in ways that we cannot see. He's working in people's lives before we ever come onto the scene. And he will continue to work in people's lives long after we've moved on. He's he's working on a global scale, right, in places all over the world. And he's working in each of our respective worlds, in our little circles of influence, And what he does, amazingly, is what he does is he says, I want you to join me. I'm not not asking you to do it. I'm going to do it. But I want you to join me, Hmm. and we're going to do it together. So I just want you to think. Think about the people in your life today. Think about the needs of your workplace, Your school, your neighborhood and community, and just ask yourself what is, how is Jesus already involved here? And how is He calling me, inviting me to participate with Him in what He's already doing? And then just take it one step further and say, okay, as I get involved with Jesus in this, how might he have me involve my church as well? What do you think, Bill? That's awesome.
1: Um, You know, I'm not sure uh, at at East Parkway, I know at Spring Valley, so much of that may sound very familiar because... We have just loved over the years uh, Henry Blackaby's experiencing God and such a cornerstone of that is that idea, that huge challenge that we don't have to create the stuff that he's already doing it that Jesus is already at work around us and we just have to join that that's one of the greatest challenges in my life not just jumping out in front creating something and then saying come on God join so I I just think that's such an important and great truth uh, you share so so we as individuals are uh, sent to share in the ministry of Jesus but beyond that we understand that that we aspect goes even further and that when we talk about we we are also the church and obviously, that's a lot of what we are doing here today and understanding that. That's why we come together as individual congregations. That's why we don't just stay at home. And, and we all know people. We all know enough people in our lives who say things like, well, I, I love God, I just don't like the church. You know, like I, I love God, I just not so much people. And so I'm fine. I'm good. Just leave me be. But there is this importance, this something about being the church There was certainly God's design and the reason we do this. And uh, one of the passages I want to draw your attention to is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. It says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, which is the body of Christ. And this understanding and we see it as a theme throughout that that there is this intention that we would come together and that we would be the church and that we would bring some things together to be able to be this this really remarkable body that is more than just a social club that is more than just a community organization there is something in the way that God designed us for community and the way that he designed when he said I want you to come together when he told Peter you will be my rock I will build my church upon you this idea that some very very big importance in this now I mentioned went to Azusa Pacific and um I had the chance to play football there, and I had a coach named Jim Milhan. Coach Milhan was phenomenal. He was about four foot nothing and just a powerhouse. And and uh, Coach Milhan had all of these sayings that he used that none of us understood what they meant. Like, but, we, you know, you kind of could get a sense of, if he said this one, you're not going fast enough. He said this one, but he had this one, you know, he loved, like, uh, that dog won't hunt Wickham. That dog won't hunt. And, you know, I had to talk it with the other guys. Oh, that means you're not doing a good job. Okay. So, all right. I right, got that. Got it. Um, he had, to, uh, don't come whistling by my graveyard, Wickham. I still don't know what that one meant. All right. So, uh, but then he had this other one he would yell all the time and 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 it was often Wickham but all of us he'd say to all of us he's like Wickham bring your two fish bring your two fish Wickham and we all just kind of accepted that all right I get that means I'm not putting in enough effort finally one day one of the more brave souls on our team right in the middle of practice he yells bring your two fish and he stops and he yells across the field coach I don't know what that means and he goes what do you mean you don't know that? I don't know what it means and he looks around at the team he's like who doesn't know what that means and we all raise our hand <laughs> and right in the middle of practice he stops practice brings us all over takes off our helmets take a knee he pulls out his pocket bible and he reads John chapter 6 and the, the story of of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and and uh and as he walks through this story you know I've heard this story before but I'd never heard it in the perspective and he shares this story that you know in this story it talks about that Jesus is kind of testing his disciples and he they're saying you got to send everyone home to get something to eat you know and, and he says well why don't you feed them and they're like you know six months wages wouldn't bring us enough money to feed all these people and Jesus is kind of on them like what are you going to do we got to do something And then we see the disciples pop up and say, well, there's this small boy. He's got, you know, five loaves of bread and two small fish. And Jesus says, oh, let's do that. And then he does this incredible miracle. And and Coach pointed out, he's like, now, we know the nature of Jesus and his disciples enough that it's not like this poor boy was walking by. They grabbed his stuff, kicked him, and, you know, said, hey, we got some fish, you know. (laughs) but something had to happen in this and he draws this story of like this boy that comes home from school runs in grabs a few loaves of bread you know or some rolls to, to head out and he grabs his cane pole and heads off to the sea galley, and he's fishing along and then he sees this huge crowd and of course what boy wouldn't be drawn into that and he walks up with a couple fish that he caught and his little little rolls and starts making his way through the crowd and he just gets up right about this point that this discussion is happening and he pointed out to us something that may be obvious to you but it wasn't to me at the time you understand of course that this boy had to offer up these fish they wouldn't have just yanked them out of his hand and so there is this scene where in the midst of this these these, these powerful group of men these, these these disciples standing with Jesus the savior of the world they're all standing have this conversation and this boy says you can have what I got And of course, for most of them, they think, how insignificant, how insignificant. This little insignificant boy with this little insignificant amount of rolls and fish. But that's what Jesus was waiting for. And he used that to remind me of something that I will never forget. And certainly, sorry, Spring Valley, will never allow Spring Valley to forget because we talk about it all the time. That all we got to do as the church is bring our two fish that's why that's why we are the church we don't have to be super this or super that we just have to be willing to understand and recognize what do i got what have i been given that i can certainly bring to the table to be used and when we understand that we is us as a group that gather together as the church we understand that we have been given some things we've we've been equipped with some things and that's why I love the conversation about spiritual gifts when we talk about spiritual gifts we believe in our hearts that the biblical truth that spiritual gifts are special abilities given to every believer for the purpose of glorifying God and Edifying the body, building up the body, this family that comes together that calls ourselves the church, whether it's Spring Valley Church or East Parkway Church or Granite Bay Church, whatever church we're talking about, that he gathers us together. And our role, when we understand that we are the church, is to simply bring whatever our two fish might be. Whether we think that person's got so many more gifts than I do, that person, da da da. But we as the church, we gather so that we can bring our two fish and do something that is way beyond what we as an individual could ever do for the kingdom. So we believe wholeheartedly that, that when we talk about we, we are the church, and as the church, mm-hmm. we are sent. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I've often said that uh, when God does a work, uh, it, it, you know, when a, God does a work in your life and you come into a relationship with Jesus, or, or when a person comes into the, a relationship with Jesus, it's, it's more than just you and Jesus. It is you and Jesus, but it's more than just you and Jesus. It's you and Jesus and everyone else in whom God has done that saving work. It's the church, right? Like we're created for community and when we placed our faith in Jesus, he placed us in the church and said this is the context right here. This is the context in which I want your faith to grow and develop. This is the context in which I want you to exercise faith, and I'm going to mature you and grow you individually and collectively in this uh, context. Which leads to this next point, that we as the church are sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, in the very first half of the first uh, chapter in the book of Acts, we read a statement that that really frames the entire book. In that Jesus, uh, when he gathers his uh, followers, he says to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You'll be telling people about me everywhere. You're going to do this in Jerusalem. That was their local context in Judea and Samaria, that's their more broader context. And then to the ends of the earth, which obviously is a global context. And and this this idea of you, you will receive power. Similar to this, this sense of church is it's not just you. It's not you only. It means all of you. All of you individually and collectively, I'm going to empower all of you. The Holy Spirit's going to empower all of you for this task. In fact, it's been uh, it's been shown time and time again that churches that have a, a a that tend to have churches that tend to have a greater impact for the gospel on the world at large are those whose members have moved from a me-centered mindset, what's in it for me, to a we-centered approach where each member of the church sees themselves as a necessary part of a larger whole. Hmm. Does that make sense? You see, it's when we come together, and this is what we see in the book of Acts, right? When we come together, empowered by the Spirit, around the same purpose, that's when we see the the advance of the gospel in amazing ways. On the other hand, on the other hand, have you ever set out to do something in the name of God? Or for the sake of Christian ministry, that you knew at the time, or you would soon come to learn, uh, that you were doing more in your own strength, according to your agenda, and not his. Now, pastors, I, I just, just a moment of confession here, pastors are not innocent of this, mm-hmm. And I don't know about Bill, but I can tell you that in my nearly 30 years of Christian ministry, including the last 18 here at East Parkway, there have been occasions where I have learned, usually in retrospect, that I was stepping out ahead of God in my own strength and agenda. And what I've what I what I learned in those moments is there was an over reliance on program, there was an over reliance on strategy, and an under reliance on the Spirit of God. And we want to be people who are led by the Spirit, don't we? And you know what happens when we do that? When we step out ahead of God is obviously we just we run out of gas. We run out of steam. It's like a garden hose that's been turned off at the spigot. You know, it's like there's still a little bit of water in the hose, right? Even after you turn it off, there's still a little bit of water in the hose. So you can get a little bit of spray. But it just quickly dries out. That's what it's like when we step ahead Of the Lord. On the other hand, I'm certain that we've all experienced those occasions where we knew God was, He was calling us, He was leading us to do or say something, and we didn't. We've had that experience too of falling behind. Lagging behind where God is going. And so we don't want to be people who are running out ahead of God or lagging behind him. And one way, church, one way to learn how to walk in step with God is what Bill's saying here is this idea of being in the church and surrounding yourself with people who who likewise want to be led by the Spirit of God. You know, as as believers, we're born of the Spirit. As members of the church, we're united in the Spirit. Jesus promised us power in the Spirit, and He sends us out into this world uh, so that we can come together and uh, 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 follow Him, partner with Him in ministry together, each of us gifted by the Spirit for the task. So we are sent in the power of the Holy Spirit.
1: I love that. You know, I have a, every year um, we have a friend that comes out from Tucson and we go uh, deer hunting for a week. And um, he, uh, he's, he he owns two businesses. He's a very successful businessman. He's a great leader. But the entire week, uh, my brother and I are in the front seat. He sits in the back seat and says almost nothing and just rides along. And he always says it's the most enjoyable week of the year for me because I don't have to lead at all. I just follow where you're going. He's <laughs> like, I just love it. And you know, sometimes that, that the reality, when we really finally let go and let the Holy Spirit lead, it's amazing how it just it is so empowering and, and wonderful. So I love that, that certainly that truth. So yes, we are individuals. Yes, we are the church. But beyond that, the thing that we talk about that takes us not just out of our walls, but not even just out of our denominational walls, as a sister church, into understanding that there is one other level of we, and that is that we are the kingdom of God, and that we are the kingdom of God and that is that as those who call on the name of Jesus Christ, regardless of what our makeup of our church might look like, it takes us uh, really to a, a whole new level. So we are the kingdom of God, and one of the great places that is a truth for that, 1 Corinthians twelve. Brings us back to that, and I'm going to jump around a bit in this 12, verses 12, 13, 18, and 27. It says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we all have been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share in the same Spirit. In verse 18, but our bodies have many parts. God has put each part just where He wants it. And then in 27, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Now here are some of the parts, and he goes and he begins to list back to the gifts that we talked about a minute ago, but that idea that, that uh, truth, where are we at here? Oh yeah, I'm just sorry, I'm jumping all over verses. Uh, that's my fault. Ah, that's my for you. All right, thank you, because I don't. So um, so that, you know, this, this reality, this understanding that we are the kingdom, and, and uh, um, what is what is true when we talk about parts is that Sometimes we think if we just get a bunch of parts together, then it's all, boom, we're there. We're at the kingdom. It works. But sometimes parts can come together and not work because going back to that very first verse we talked about this morning, because they are not united in mind and heart. And that we come together, when we talk about the kingdom, we're talking about a group of people that are united in heart and mind. Now, um, why on earth would I show this picture of of, God this. Okay, so uh, my mom is here as well. Uh, Wayne, you mentioned my mom. This is my mom, Gloria. She's back here, and we're blessed. She's a part of Spring Valley Church and makes us much better, and uh, um, uh, my my mom will remember this. When I was probably in fifth grade, uh, we lived in the pocket area, and I don't know how she managed to do it as a single mom, but she scratched enough together to get me what I dreamed about, this mongoose bike. And I'd wanted a mongoose BMX bike for so long. It was so cool, it was great. We lived in an apartment, however, and I tended to leave it outside. I, you know, we'd ride it and I'd just leave it by the front door. And she was always saying, if you do not bring that bike in, it's gonna get stolen well I'd leave it I leave it I thought, oh that's right put it in the back one day someone reached over the back and took it out of the back of our place all right so I lost the mongoose bike well we weren't able to just go out and get another one so um, somehow we found uh, a bike like this the old banana seat bike now today that might be retro enough that it's cool all right in 1983 that was not all right and, but but it was a bike and so it worked for a while well As I was getting closer to junior high, I realized that there were major social implications involved with me riding this Banana Sea bike. And I had to do something. And so for the next like two years, every birthday, every Christmas, I asked for high-end BMX parts. And I started to collect all these parts. And I would take, I even had, um, my mom had a boyfriend at the time and he worked at the railroad, so he took my frame, had it dunked at at work in some chrome bath or something. Anyway. (laughs) It was a train wreck, man. When I brought these parts, this isn't it because I couldn't find it. But no matter what, I had a very expensive wheels, very expensive handlebars, very expensive pedals, and all these things. But it was still a banana seat bike, man. There was no getting away from that. And no matter what I did, um, I always seemed to have this this thing because these parts just They just didn't work together like I wanted to. There was something about them that they were not able to be united. And sometimes we think, okay, we're the kingdom just because we share this name. But the reality is, is that when we not just share the name, this Christian name, but when we seek after the heart and the mind of Christ, and we interact with each other in that grace-filled way, that's when we are the kingdom, and that is so important, and I believe wholeheartedly that that is what the world is looking for when they look to us as the church, and they want to see the kingdom lived here on earth. They want to see what makes us different in the way that we interact with each other. Are we just a bunch of parts being slapped together on a banana bike frame, and it doesn't work, and it's ugly, and it's, you know, clashes, or is it somehow coming together all these different things to make something beautiful? When we are united in heart and mind with Christ, that's exactly what happens. And so, so we are individuals, we are the church, and we are the kingdom. And it's just huge to talk about.
0: Before I build on that point, uh, I'm just curious because I have, my parents will testify to this. I had the same experience <laughs> where I tried to take a bike that wasn't cool and make it cool. And it did not work. I'm just, has, have any of you had that? I mean, how many of us have had that right. experience? Cool. And, and plus I had paper routes growing up. So I had bikes galore and, and I always, and I was kind of finding this balance between the cool bike and the functional bike. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, so that, that resonates with me. I, I am um, this idea of kingdom, right? This idea of kingdom. Um I'm a I'm a I'm a relatively private person. And as my wife and kids will tell you, I'm fiercely independent. Uh, and so one thing God is it, it has been and continues to work into my heart is this sense of interdependence, this mm-hmm. sense of kingdom. Mentality, this sense of uh, I need others, and it's not just on a others in the church, but this idea of churches need each other. And so, I really appreciate this point, Bill's bringing forth in terms of this this kingdom mentality. So we are sent to share in the ministry of Jesus. We are are sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then uh, the third point I have here is we are sent as ambassadors for Christ. We read in, um, so we are sent to be ambassadors for Christ. So we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are. God is making his appeal through us. When we speak for Christ, when we plead, come back to God. You know, an ambassador, you know this, an ambassador... Uh, at least on a national level, an ambassador is someone who, who is sent to another country to represent the interests of his or her home country. And so when we read that we are ambassadors for Christ, what that means is that our home is with God, and God is sending us out into the world to represent the interests of his kingdom. And I just want to say, church, that maybe unlike the ambassadors we think of of on a national level, our primary role has nothing to do with politics or social issues. Although we can and should be engaged in those arenas, but to be ambassadors for Christ, to represent the interests of God's kingdom first means, church, that we must keep the gospel and the message of Jesus front and center, In fact, the larger point being made in this passage, 2 Corinthians 5, is that because God has reconciled reconciled us to Himself, and now He sends us out as ministers of reconciliation. How will people know this if we don't tell them? And how can we tell them if we don't go to them? And how will our message carry weight if we're not living in light of its truth? Now, I hate, I hate, I hate when the, when the media portrays Christianity in a horrible light by propping up on TV some religious extremist weirdo who claims, who's just full of hate, full of bigotry, full of arrogance, and yet claims to be a follower of Christ. Uh, we know, we, like instinctively, we just want to rise up and say, that's not right. That's not me. That's not the Christianity I represent. Can I ask, which Christianity do you represent? Because, what is the one continual, often repeated criticism of the church by the onlooking world? Hypocrisy. Hmm. The church is full of hypocrites. They say the church is full of people who say one thing and do another. Church is full of people who are pretending, pretending on Sundays or midweek Bible study. The church is full of people who are representing their worldly interests and agendas, not Christ's. That's what they say. And that's got to stop. I mean, if we're going to be kingdom minded, right, that that we just have to stop the hypocrisy. So that they will see and hear about who Jesus really is and the salvation he brings uh, and the difference he makes in a person's life. When we live like ambassadors, though. When we live like ambassadors, we prove to a watching, desperate world that your past does not need to define you anymore. Hmm. Awesome. You don't need to define, be defined anymore by your, your misdeeds, your wrongdoing, your rebellion against God, your separation from God. All of that may be true, it doesn't need to define you anymore because if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a brand new creation. Amen. Apart from Christ, you bear sin's guilt yourself, but in Christ, because He bore it for you, you can be forgiven by God, You can be welcomed by God, and you can become a child of God forevermore.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah I love I love the um, the ambassador uh, truth, and uh, you know we're all ambassadors of stuff. I mean. <laughs> It's football season, right? I mean, I mean, uh, there is a family over here—the the the Frost family. Uh, Donna is our church administrator, and that's her son David next to her. Uh, Rich is sick this morning, but um, I believe that the Frost family believes they are the ambassadors for the Minnesota Vikings to the state of California. Okay. (laughs) Um, Now, this week, you may know that a week from today, uh, Minnesota Vikings have their opening game of the season, and all week long. Uh, They also happen to be my neighbors. So signs will start to crop up out front. Uh, Clothing at work will start to represent this fact. Now, please pray for me because you may know that the team that the Minnesota Vikings are playing this week happens to be... The 49ers. So it's going to be a particularly ambassadorship week. I will hear it all week long. Trust me. Uh, the, the Vikings will be represented in the office. They will be represented in our court, and uh, we we will be brought that. But we do that. You know, we're, we 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 kind of sometimes we think in terms of this. Like, well, I'm not really. But we do. We we get ambassadorship. We carry the things that are important to us that define us. We carry them out into the world. And so, what a great thing, certainly, uh, to be ambassadors of.
0: You know, before we wrap wrap up this morning, I got to say, you know, I've come to know uh, Donna. I've really enjoyed to get to know you, Donna. I think she's just a uh, just a really, really cool person, and has a wonderful way about her. Just a great spirit. This is the first I'm hearing that she is a Vikings fan. <laughs> Uh, I am a die-hard Chicago Bears <laughs> fan, and so the, uh, the Bears and the Vikings duke it out season after season for divisional supremacy, and I will admit that the last few years have been a little, uh, uh, we've been taking some lumps on our end, uh, but I do believe that the tide is turning, and I always like to tell everyone that the Bears certainly have more championships than the Vikings, <laughs> and without question, the Chicago Bears have the most Hall of Fame players in the Hall of Fame of any team <laughs> in the National Football League. And so I am all about the Bears, and uh, I I have to confess that sometimes I'm probably too much about the Bears. So, uh, Bill, how are we going to land well, this? Well, with that,
1: morning? let's conclude. Um, yeah. <laughs> just if there is truth ingrained in our mind it's just the reminder of the reality that we as individuals we are sent
0: we're sent to share in the ministry of Jesus
1: and we as the church sorry are sent
0: as the church we are sent in the power of the holy spirit
1: and then we as the kingdom of god
0: <laughs> are sent to be ambassadors for christ i'm
1: gonna invite the worship team to come up and invite you to pray with me father lord we thank you for this biblical reality we thank you for um the 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 truth that uh, we get to be a part of of what this is as individuals as a church as the kingdom of you Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you that you entrust us, that you uh, allow us to be stewards of this message, of this truth. And, and Lord, we do desire to be ambassadors. We thank you that we don't have to be perfect to do that. We thank you that we don't have to be anything other than just people who are willing to bring our two fish to be a part of what it is that you're already doing, to join you in your work. Lord, we embrace these truths. We thank you for even the, the illustration of it today as we are together. Thank you for how this represents what the healthy kingdom looks like. And so help us to live that today. Help us to certainly live it in the day and the weeks to come as we desire to be individuals for you, a church for you, and certainly the kingdom that you have in mind. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome.